John Key uh, has been speaking. He's a keynote speaker at uh, Auckland's Future Now event, organised by Auckland Council's Economic Development Agency, Auckland Tourism Events and Economic Development. And he said something which is reasonably sobering. Basically, and I'm quoting John Key now, he says, we are in the very early part of what is going to be a significant contraction of the economy here in New Zealand and globally. And basically, he said, we're going to see an economic crisis far greater in scale than the health crisis post-COVID. So we're talking right now to Cameron Bagri, who's leading economist and founder of Bagri Economics. G'day, Cameron. Hello, Cameron. Good afternoon, gents. Is uh, Sir John Key right? Yeah, he is in spirit. In yeah, spirit. If you look at, technically, the New Zealand economy has actually bounced out of recession over June and July because we got absolutely slaughtered in April and May when, when we locked the economy down. So we've sort of navigated what's called wave one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wave one was the immediate lockdown. As soon as we moved back to alert level three, two and one, well, people are getting out there buying houses, spinning up a little bit, supporting the tourism sector, buying sparkles, these sort of things. But the real concern is that there's another wave to come. Yeah, because we've controlled this thing, we've kept it out, although there is the risk that it, it comes back in. I noticed that the Ministry of Health is warning that it's inevitable that it does mm. come back. But the global economy is in serious trouble. Now, New Zealand cannot, you're right, alone indefinitely. So I think ultimately we are, are going to see what's called a W-shaped cycle. Right. Yeah, we're seeing that euphoria, that bounce for now, but, you know, Look towards the end of the year when the tourists are not turning up. You think about less migration, what that means for construction sector in 2021 as well. You know, Australia's in, in pretty serious trouble with the lockdown in Melbourne. So unfortunately, you know, tough times ahead. It does not mean, it means we've got to keep sort of chicken little at bay. You know, the sky is not falling, but she's going to be a pretty hard slog, I think, for the next sort of one to two years. So, Cameron, how long is the third leg of that W bounce? If that is, in fact, what happens, the downward spiral, how long is that going to last then? Well, I wouldn't call it a downward spiral. Yeah, but, but certainly, yeah. I don't think the economy is going to be pumped up on steroids and sort of flowing, you know, strongly over the latter part of 2020, 2021. You probably want to think about it a little bit like it being in a bathtub with a few waves. You know, there's going to be a few ups and downs, but it's going to be generally challenging across the board. You know, the million-dollar question here is that how quickly can we find a vaccine? And we're seeing a whole lot of different attitudes or responses to that. Some people seem more hopeful than others. I notice equities prices still seem up in the stratosphere and we've got a real mismatch here between what's called Wall Street versus Main Street. Prices still seem to be doing okay but if you look at what's going on around the globe a lot of people are losing their jobs. Now can I ask Cameron uh, one of the things that John Key said that we probably need without in his words going crazy we need to look at maybe relaxing border restrictions a little bit. Do you agree with that? Yeah I think we're going to have to get into that, that debate where it's lies versus livelihoods. Now, what we focused on with the first round of lockdown was protecting lives. Yep. What has been the cost on the other side? Well, it's livelihoods. It's people you know, earning a job, uh, earning money. It's people spending money. It's, you know, it's businesses. Now, ultimately, you know, I'm going to be really interested to see the suicide stats over April, May and June. Because I don't think they're going to be that place. Because ultimately, if you destroy livelihoods, you're going to actually impact people's lives. And you're going to impact the next generation of kids 
You know, so we're going to have to make some pretty bold, tough choices, I think, in the next sort of six to 12 months because, yes, in a nice, kind, friendly world, we'd like to keep this thing out. I don't think that's reality, and it's certainly not economic reality that we can keep the New Zealand economy shut indefinitely because that's going to cost an awful lot on the livelihood scale of the ledger. I can understand too, you touched on equities there, Cameron. You know, of course, around the world, for some reason, they're holding up. Things to, seem to be holding up at that end. And people were very fearful about our housing market in New Zealand, that it would plummet upwards of 10%, people were suggesting. And of course, it stayed really strong. Uh, in this country, are we somewhat protected with, and I'm talking specifically about housing, because we've got so many people coming back into New Zealand that you know want to live here because we are a bit protected and we've done very well. So is there a chance that our housing market actually will sustain and be good for right through this whole thing and out the other side of the W? Well, if, if I have a look at some of the metrics indicators here, such as household debt servicing, yeah, which is just your interest payments as a share of income, yeah. your courtesy of record low interest rates. Yeah, that ratio is about the lowest we've seen since the early 1990s. Mm. Yeah, so provided you've got a job, yeah, paying the mortgage is not a problem. But the big, yeah, big problem here is that what, what are prospects going to be for being employed in the next sort of six to 12 months? We've got some reasonable, in fact, we've got some stunning unemployment numbers today. It actually said unemployment actually dropped, which yeah. sort of defines logic. But what happens to be unemployed You've got to be out there actually looking for a job. And, of course, well, during lockdown, no one was looking for a job. If we look at the unemployment figures as at the end of June, 6.2%, up from about, sorry, the low fours. Now, if I have a look at what we're seeing in regards to job seeker or or the derivative payment that people are receiving over July, those numbers are still going up. So unemployment, as we speak, is probably around 6.5%, and it's still heading north. Now, sectors such as tourism, we have not seen the economic hit yet. Normally, there's more New Zealanders travel overseas during the winter months than foreigners come in. Yeah, so we've actually got a net plus in regard to bums on seats at the moment. The real rubber's going to hit the road to the tourism sector over November, December, January, February, March next year because I don't think there's going to be a trans-Tasman bubble. There's certainly going to be no tourists turning up in our doorstep. Yeah, what does it mean for the tourism sector? Well, there's going to be more continued job losses. Yeah, there's a whole lot of issues across the construction sector. It's not all glass half empty. There's some sectors out there at the moment, such as agriculture, you know, essential food-based services. Well, it's, it's pretty well business as usual. So one size does not fit all. But you know, the, the housing market in general, it's, it's getting that, that bounce like we're seeing across the, the general economy. But ultimately, over the next sort of 12 to 18 months, I think the market's going to ease back. Mm. Yes, there's going to be people that are going to want to come to, to New Zealand's shores, you know, join our bubble. But yeah, ultimately, you've got to have the job. You've got to have the income to service that debt. And what we know across New Zealand and the housing market, there's a lot of debt. Mm. Cameron, last question from me, and just rowing back on something that you touched on before, mate. To put it in its most blunt, ugly terms, are we almost at a stage, and maybe will we reach a stage with this thing, where we have to compare, as you say, totally compare losing lives, literally losing lives, with keeping people in employment? Yeah, well, I, I guess the way I think about that, Phil, is it's, it's lives versus livelihoods. Yeah. Mm. And unfortunately, the, the, there is a connection between the two, because if you destroy people's livelihoods, you are ultimately going to end up costing lives on the other side as well. Right. And the risk here is that we actually see a, a lost generation of kids 
in regard to what are their prospects going to be if mum and dad don't have a job. Right. You know, what are their prospects going to be for, for an education, putting food on the table? So unfortunately, there's going to have to be some really tough choices made, and we're going to have to, we have to take some risks. You know, mm. Opening up the border is not risk-free, so we only have to get some you know, appropriate parameters around that in regard to doing it prudently. Um, yeah, if I have a look at what's going on in Australia, it's yeah, interesting to see the divergence between Melbourne, which is COVID's obviously out of control, yep. versus your neighbour, New South Wales. Well, it's sort of under control. Now, ultimately, you know, you'd sort of want New Zealand to have that sort of containment response along the lines of New South Wales and keep the economy open as opposed to Melbourne where you're shutting the damn thing down. Yeah. Very interesting. Cameron, great to get your expertise. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks a lot, Cameron. Take care. All the best. Cameron Bagri, uh, economist and founder of Bagri Economics.